Hello, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Banter, the podcast aimed at bringing you your dose of murder relaxation. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. everybody and welcome hello hello <laughs> and for the youtube audience hello i'm talking all weird to you guys visually welcome. hello yeah the visual hello Everyone and else, welcome to the audio new, hello the new setup so actually yeah. i just thought of this uh right now okay because i almost forgot i was gonna say i gotta apologize for the last video real quick oh okay and or episode okay because I I don't know what happened whenever I was exporting the audio. For some reason, one of the audio tracks uh, was unmuted. And so you're going to hear like weird room noises, which I know we've talked about this. Christian and I have talked about this. I'm the only one who notices it. It's true. Or it's who true. really, truly cares about it. Yeah. So I apologize to myself listening Yeah, back. and also for all the people that are like really into like that really like micro- details stuff yeah, that like well, listen i'm just here for all the murder and the facts true. and i'm not really here like Crime. if if i happen to hear like <laughs> some little micro noises like whatever it is what it is yeah. uh welcome everybody to episode 12 i believe Hello. and uh today i want to start off with a a couple um comments is what i'm trying to say okay. uh comments from instagram the first one is from lol underscore and underscore clumsy i love when we get these honestly because then it like it really like solidifies that people actually know are actually exist. listening yeah right and they say i just caught up on all the episodes i love you guys lol which uh was almost a week ago now i just realized and uh i'm sorry for taking so long to shout it's you okay. out but thank you welcome yes thank you and we better love late you. than never yeah we love the clumsies <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. actually their last name Okay. Anyway. Not really. Anyway. And then the second shout out is to Stephanie Alyssa underscore. She said, "Downloaded Spotify just to listen to the to this podcast. I've been binge listening since six a.m. and I'm now wow. on episode six. I LOL'd when you said guess our age when we literally said our age in the previous episode. <laughs> so <laughs> things happen. I mean, mm -hmm. I think you ended up replying to her and yep. uh, admitted that we say a lot of things that we don't remember we I ever know. said." But that, I mean, it proves that we're not scripted. Like, we just kind of say whatever, you know? Speak for yourself. Well. Says Riley, as Christian uh -huh, says, it's exactly. not scripted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Uh, yeah, today we're going to be covering a local case. Um, took place almost 20 years ago, back in 2000, actually, yeah, 2002, September of 2002. The case of Rachel Berkheimer, and uh, I think... A good way to summarize this case before we get into it is when bad things happen to good people. Yeah. And what the. Uh, Which unfortunately happens like way too much. Far too often. Yeah. Yeah. So before we do get into the case, though, 
Yes. You've got a bit of banter for us. I do. It might not be like super entertaining, but I was watching Jimmy Fallon and he actually brought this up. And I was like, that's actually like, it's kind of stupid. And, but I love stupid stuff. So. <laughs> well, you are engaged to me. So, <laughs> the queen of stupid. But he had mentioned that Jeff Bezos, when he, I guess, was, so I didn't know this, but like he went to space or. Yeah, wait, are we doing a second Jeffrey Bezos? I, uh, we didn't plan this. In a row? Did not okay, plan right. this. I am fully on board. I mean, we are it just happened. in the Seattle area. So it's true, yes. Thank you, Jeffrey. Yeah, yeah. he went to space. Uh, it was Last like a space year. race between him and like uh, the, the Virgin Atlantic guy or something. Yeah, it seems like Russell a weird Brand. thing to try to like race to. You know, like I feel like I want to take my time on something like that to make sure like it didn't you go wrong. Think. But yeah. anyway, so um, Jimmy Fallon had pointed out that I, I, this is why I thought this was like recent because like Jimmy Fallon just brought it up in his monologue, but I guess this happened like it says last year. Right. They did this. I had no idea yeah. he even went to, space you know, in the middle of all. a pandemic when like, yeah, of course, people are being laid yeah. off and struggling. Bezos is just like, here's billions of dollars right. for me to go to space. But I guess there's like a picture of him where he's like wearing a cowboy hat and he's like, sta- okay. like he's like standing with like all the other people. Right. That are wearing the spacesuits, right? And he's wearing a cowboy hat. All right. And they're all wearing these like blue onesies, kind of these yeah, blue space onesies. Yeah, your typical NASA spacesuit, right. kind of. And they're kind of posing for a picture. Him and three other people. It looks like there's an older female, older gentleman, and a younger gentleman. And they're all standing together, and they're like just like waving or something. But Jimmy Fallon's whole thing was that I guess they found out later that in the crotch area of this jumpsuit spacesuit jumpsuit whatever (laughs) that i guess it was really uncomfortable so he flew his personal tailor out to adjust adjust his crotch yep before they went (laughs) up there must have been too much room is what happened he was like i need shots fired (laughs) so i just and so anyway jimmy fallon pointed out there's rich and then there's personal crotch taylor rich (laughs) (laughs) wow that is uh honestly if i had billions of dollars i don't think that would be something that ever crossed my mind like hey well honestly i don't think you know you need it until you need it sometimes things just arise wink wink (laughs) well then Jeffrey, oh, how Jeffrey. dare <laughs> Anyway, that's my oh, bit Abanta. Okay, well. Super interesting, I know. I got to look up something about Jeffrey Bezos. I think we're only on episode banter. 11 or 12, and I'm getting very desperate for banter. <laughs> well, life is uh, a dirty game, yep. as they say. Yep, got to play dirty. <laughs> to win it. <laughs> okay, well, uh, okay, Jeffrey Bezos, thank you for fueling our bit of banter for mm. both this episode and the last one. Yeah, um, appreciate it. I can it. promise you guys that I don't know if Jeffrey Bezos will be in, involved in the next one, but <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I'll do my best Whoops. not to. Yeah. But today, uh, we are going to cover the case of Rachel Rose Berkheimer. Uh, this case takes place, like I said earlier, back in September of 2002, and this is something, this is a case that you and I both know. Um, we've, I guess, heard it, listened to it, watched other documentaries kind yeah. of on it, uh, and it's kind of weird because it's a very different case, but it's also local, Yeah. and it's something that... Very local for me. I work in the same city. In yeah. the same city. Yeah, yeah, you do. So... Rachel Rose Berkheimer, she was born on January 16th, 1984 in 
Everett, Washington, the city we're talking about. Yep. Uh, she was born to her parents, Bill Burkheimer and Denise Weber, and she also grew up with her older sister, Megan Burkheimer. When Rachel was first born, her parents, Bill and Denise, actually thought that she might have been deaf or had, I mean, some sort of uh, hearing disability because she hadn't begun talking until she was nearly three years old. But as one of the websites that I used to research this episode described, once the words started flowing, it was like a dam bursting. Yeah, and you know what? Actually, as somebody who like used to teach preschool, it's like not that uncommon for to kids to... I mean, kids kind of like... They kind of like late. learn to do things at their own time. Right. You know, like some kids will run at like eight months and some kids will like run at like a year and a half. Like true, it true. is what it is. Story goes is I was walking yeah. at six months. I know, right? And Same. then I was rapping at 12. Okay. And you're still not good. Weird. <laughs> anyway, my mom said I was running at like nine months. I'm like, well, let's <laughs> fact check that. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Rachel, she was described as a gregarious teenager with a social life that I put down here. I described it as uh, something that even a modern day socialite would be jealous of. She was standing at just, j- she was standing how, how am I trying to say this right now? Hmm. She was standing at just four foot eleven. Yeah, so that's right. Not very tall in stature. Yeah, like uh, I would be a giant compared to her. I've never had that <laughs> in my life. Everyone is tall to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she was a, a, a short gal, uh, but she had a massive grin that would light up the darkest of rooms and a personality to match. Friends and family members say that she's the friend that never forgot a birthday and would send cards in the mail at random Aww. to people just to tell them that she loved them. Yeah. Which kind of reminds me of I've, when I was writing these notes. It mm-hmm. reminds me of you a little bit. Yeah. Now, granted, <laughs> you admit yourself, you don't have a big circle that you try to stay it's in contact true. with. So my job isn't that hard. But, but the efforts that you do put in, true. Uh, they are... I mean, yeah. they can be, like, very long conversations that you have with these people. I'm just I try. Like, I can't even have that long of a conversation yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, here we are on a podcast. Our eyes say it all. <laughs> <laughs> now, me, on the other hand, I am a sadly, you know, if you just get any text back from me at it's any time. It's a miracle. It's like, even cool. me, you guys. Even he me. is alive. <laughs> That's about right. Uh, yeah, so... Uh, Rachel, she was the star of every sports team she joined, while her dad, Bill, he actually believes that she could have made a career at being a stand-up comedian, because hmm. she's got a, a sense of humor. Okay. So from the sound of it, uh, it's really no wonder why everyone wanted to be Rachel's friend. It seems like she had a positive impact on nearly every person she touched, uh, so much so that her dad, he likes to joke that he was actually her answering machine because of how often the phone is ringing from people just trying to get a hold of her must be hard to be so popular it's terrible (laughs) and nowadays you know luckily we do have cellular cellular phones Mm -hmm. so texting is a lot uh right easier to deal with yeah but uh, yeah back in that day 20 years ago you couldn't just be like hey you can't use the excuse though that oh my dad forgot to tell me that you called sorry true (laughs) True. it's like all on you now you just be like oh sorry my phone was sorry on silent yeah or something sorry guys (laughs) i I was working i swear (laughs) so this all changed in august of 2001 though uh rachel's best friend Corey haynes described as rachel's brotherly soulmate 
Uh, he was killed, unfortunately, in a rollover car accident. Corey, he was one of six other friends that Rachel had lost due to death within like a one-year span, which is no, ridiculous. That's like, yeah, I, I can't. mean, we've we've talked about this. I yeah. could not imagine, you know, you lose two people within a one-year span you're like man this is just not my year yeah or uh, one person or two pets or a single pet and somebody yeah to lose multiple friends and you know when you're um when you are popular or i guess you know a person that people like you you run that risk i guess of being in touch with more people to where you you do have a higher chance of losing someone more right it's kind of that weird probability goes up yeah. What each person you know, like the bigger amount of people you know. Yeah, the, the more you probability know, the more of likely something you're happening lose to them, whether it's death or not death. I mean, just Anything. the probability of something happening to someone you know goes up. Yeah, I mean, a car accident or and that uh, age is already like, somebody, like really hard to process stuff yeah, at so that she young was age. Like sixteen yeah. or seventeen. I mean, and by the it seems like by the time that she was even kind of maybe like had even learned to like smile again like Something somebody passed away again yeah. and then she would grieve for maybe a month or two and then someone else would pass away like that just i can't even imagine processing that as like a full-grown adult right let alone I mean, her age i i relate it to my own life and it's like you know what i'm really good at quickly quote-unquote processing death and then moving on yeah but then i have moments where it's just like i start thinking about it again yeah like, like wow much, i haven't right. truly actually chose to feel the way i should feel yeah, about this and, right and then i just just cry alone yeah. in my car <laughs> yeah, but, in my car <laughs> anyway Sorry, yeah in your truck, truck. yeah right. weirdo uh yeah so so rachel she was losing these friends like left and right it felt like and it, it wasn't yeah. just to um you know car accidents it was yeah. to crazy things like suicide and drowning yeah. And it's just like, nuts. can you catch a break? Yeah, right. But obviously for Rachel, uh, Corey's death was the most devastating. Yeah, she was so close to him. Yeah, yeah. her sister, Megan, she describes the loss of Corey as, uh, she says, I think it killed her. You could see it in her eyes. Her light was gone. Yeah. So after this year of unspeakable loss and pain, Rachel, she slowly fell into a deep depression as I'm sure it happens to a lot of people, you know, just losing one person, let alone multiple people. She started dabbling in drugs and reportedly using cocaine and methamphetamines, which are still rampant in this area today. Oh, and yeah. All I over. mean, countrywide, but yeah, yeah. especially all over. It feels like for some is, reason this ugh. area is like yeah. even more prominent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And she, she further and further distanced herself from both her family and the bright young woman that she was before. That's when, as I'll sarcastically say, Mr. Brightside shows up. Oh, God, there's always a Mr. Brightside. This is John Diggy Anderson. So Love that name. I always wonder if people give themselves these names or if someone else you gives know them. What? Either way, you don't get points for quality of the name. Yeah, no, it's not a, not a good, not a good no. option. So John Diggy Anderson, he is... A gentleman that Rachel began dating. Okay. Uh, he's described as the complete opposite of what Rachel's legacy is. Did you happen to see like how they met by chance? I didn't. Okay. No, I could I only really imagine when she's run 
not running or rolling around and but she's involved in these different circles of people who have drugs that they can offer her um and her being kind of right you know, true i forgot she's in, into drugs at this point yeah, yeah so right. she's in that kind yeah, of yeah that uh, opens up all new doors for meeting people yeah yeah so uh he's described like i said as the complete opposite of of rachel uh he was a troublemaker in and out of jail as part of this gang that he and some friends had started and they're called the northwest mafia oh just creative. incredibly creative like i don't even know how they could even come up with that you know so they're just did, like rolling around sipping their like oat milk lattes just <laughs> like, chilling. god i love the northwest oh, yeah, we're like, we're as like someone from here that makes here. me want to barf gross <laughs> i'm already nauseous so detectives uh involved in this case uh, they described this gang as nothing more than just a couple of scumbags that i guess would steal on occasion maybe sell some drugs here and there but mostly just uh use drugs i feel like we probably could have guessed that yeah <laughs> yeah mostly they, they were drug users that just kind of partied or played video games and then they gave themselves a name and that's pretty much it and yep. now we're the north Mes- sounds Northwest Mafia. great yeah. and i feel like i i, I kind of knew uh, i feel like everybody knows these these kind of people from like high school yeah. where you're like you know what they're not uh the worst of people they're not the the people that you think are gonna be committing crimes to where they should be like locked up forever. Right. But you're like they're but probably they're also not, not gonna like amount the highest to quality. Yeah. Yeah. They're just mm-hmm. like we're just trying to trying to get by. You know. <laughs> so uh, interestingly enough, though, John Anderson, being Mr. Tough Guy Diggy, <laughs> as the people on the streets called him, uh, he was also the jealous type. So he. Shocker. Yeah, he said to have sniffed rachel's hair and clothing to see if she'd been hanging out with other men not cool y'all not cool and i don't think that's a very good uh test no you know like i feel like maybe with with women smelling another man like the perfume of another woman would be more prominent if he was hanging out with someone else that's just weird I don't I mean, know. Men? I'm not quite sure the thought process is there. It's probably the same thought process as naming yourself Diggy. So exactly. I don't. I don't know. I think you're on to something. Awesome. Great. So, Rachel's uh, Rachel's sister Morgan. Sorry, Morgan. Megan. Mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. Uh, she says that this relationship between Rachel and and John was not a good one. Uh, it it might have had some good moments, but there were times that Megan had found or, or seen bruises on Rachel that John had given her. Uh, but there was a moment that Megan describes, and it was 2 a.m. in the morning, and Rachel was sitting on the end of her bed. And they were just kind of talking about life and uh, Rachel's fears and concerns with John yeah. and, and I guess the path that she feels like she's heading down. And uh, Rachel, she decided, or I guess during that conversation was when Rachel had decided that she was going to take her life back and get back to living with the love and the happiness that she used to which and i feel like is like already like a great sign like it kind of shows what kind of person she is because to be that age and then be aware that you're not exactly. on a good path yep. versus some kids are like well this is just what i'm doing right now or this is like a phase or yeah and it to be aware g- that this is not a good choice and i'm going to make a different choice is like a really good sign and just kind of shows what yeah kind of it almost makes sense why she would be such a uh um, magnetic person yeah. for some people because even 
even in this instance, you know, you can look at her and be like, wow, even when she wasn't in a great place, uh, she still could find her way out of it. Yeah. And yeah, she decided that she wanted to start putting her efforts back into the relationships that she had with her friends and family, basically prior to Corey's death. Yeah. So Rachel's dad, Bill, he actually describes one morning that he was walking up to Rachel sitting on the front porch and she had a radiance again that he hadn't seen in months. And when he got up to her, she looked up to him and she said, I've met an incredible friend, Dad. Maurice. Okay. Now, what I'm about to tell you about Maurice uh, is not going to sound great necessarily, but there is more to the story. So Maurice, he was also a member of the coveted Northwest Mafia. Oh my God, one of like, what, five people or something? Yeah, I I think there was like nine or ten total in this this rough and rowdy gang up here around would you have here, to just you know, like it's... show up to the front door and be like hey can i be part of this okay like, yeah, i sure. brought my north face <laughs> okay but where's the jeep <laughs> okay so the thing though is that uh even though maurice was part of the northwest mafia the reason that rachel and him bonded so well and were forming such a good friendship that um i guess what it's reported as a relationship when you look in the news reports yeah it's a fact that uh both of them they were searching for a way out and they were f- trying to find a way to break loose from this makeshift gang and both of them wanted to better their lives and basically again move forward from what they'd been doing i don't know if i asked you this already but how old is maurice i i know he's younger than 22 i want to say okay somewhere between 18 and 22 yeah, years old. I guess I'm only thinking that because, like, if she's still in high school at this point, yeah, right, then maybe if you're going to school and going to class with people, you see them in the hallway that are all kind of part of this gang, quote unquote gang, right, that it might be harder, might feel harder to escape it versus if the people that you're running around with that you don't like are separate from you, meaning they are grown-ups and not around you, it might be easier to not be around them, to get away from them. I can see what you're talking about. Yeah. And and that's the thing. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the members here towards Mm -hmm. the end of this story. But um, I know the members involved in this story were ranged, sorry, from ages 16 to 22. Okay. So So, who knows who was there and... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about John Diggy Anderson. He heard about this movement that Rachel uh, was trying to better her life and, you know, break free from her ties, basically from him. God forbid. As, like, the leader of this Northwest Mafia. And uh, shockingly enough, he was not a happy camper. Mm-hmm. He started spreading these weird I guess rumors about Rachel okay. that she was sharing gang secrets to her friends and rival gangs. <laughs> okay, first of all, first of all, I would love to know what the rival gang is yeah. in the Pacific Northwest. I was going to say, sorry, I don't... just Northwest, not even Pacific Northwest. Right. Northwest. Just I would Northwest love to mafias. know what the gangs are. Maybe Northwest gang. And on top of that, Northeast Mafia. Yeah, Northeast Mafia. I'm like really trying to think of what it would be. Folks over in Spokane really trying to. Oh my God, stop. And then on top of that, like what secrets would be? Like, yeah, right? Like, what, like their new favorite hangout spot? I don't know. That was the thing that when I was reading this, I was like, are there gangs around here? I mean, granted, gang violence 
gangs exist. are like a real thing for yeah. sure. I just never hear about it around here. Exactly. If maybe in the nineties. Yeah, and when it was early a little more prominent. Yep. Maybe, but maybe not more prominent, but never more, heard of uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he um he didn't like the fact that she was, you know, trying to break free. So she was trying to just spread some dirt on her name, I suppose. And uh, how we're talking about this, you know, we're like, what what is he even talking about? Right. Like, what rumors? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much how everybody else approached those rumors and. Almost like it was just John being John. No, no one really took um, good his concerns yeah. seriously. Good. So then comes the evening of September twenty third, two thousand and two. Rachel and Maurice, uh, they are both enjoying this blossoming bond between the two of them, and they're hanging out with a few of the other members of the Northwest Mafia at one of the members' girlfriend's house. So for context, the girlfriend's not home at the time. She's working or going to school, I think. Okay. But they're all just, there's like six or seven of them just hanging out all together. Supervised children. Awesome. Oh, no. Always, always Always ends well, yeah. Yeah, so they're they're having some drinks, uh, enjoying their, their time together with everybody. And Rachel, she's taking this as an opportunity to show these people that I'm not a snitch, yeah. I guess. I'm not spreading these gang secrets. You know, I'm cool with you guys and um, you guys only. This is when John Diggy Anderson walks in and he sees everybody having a good time together, including Rachel, and immediately he snaps. He starts, I, the way they report this, they, they said he starts hitting people and slapping them. Okay. And I, like, and I just imagine if it's like a, a pet, I get you know ready to pee on the ground you just yeah. kind of like You're smack like, hey, them real quick yeah. yeah like what what the fuck you guys doing yeah, around here right. or i guess you know i how i just did it for those of you watching the youtube video you just kind of like messing around with friends slapping right. them but when it gets too uh aggressive at some point even if you're messing around with friends or maybe dude fucking yeah, stop there's a line yeah right and uh john he he broke that line with however he was um, approaching these people. Sounds about right, coming from Diggy. Yeah, eventually uh, things escalate and guns get drawn. So what? I it is as the North Northwest Mafia does. Oh my you know, God! When in doubt, pull so it out. So unnecessary. Pull yeah. the gun out. Uh, Rachel, she sees this happening and she makes an attempt to escape, uh, but John stops her unfortunately mm-hmm. and. He hits her, I, I wrote down here, until she falls to the floor, but, I mean, aggressively enough right. to where well, she fell to the floor. when you're four foot something, it probably only Doesn't takes take one much, punch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so then he proceeds to kick her as she's down. And I was trying to figure out what um, uh, occurred at this moment, and it from, I guess, what I'm deducing is this was all kind of a setup almost. Hmm. But eventually, he convinces these other members that he was just, like, getting in a gunfight with to um, join in and start beating her and kicking her. Okay. Yeah, so now you have, like, six or seven dudes just... Brainwashed people that are listening to this dumbass. Cool. Just attacking Rachel. Yeah. And so she's now beaten, bruised, and then they tie her up gag her and throw her in the garage now this is where 
she's in the garage and they go back inside and they just start partying and she's just sitting there hopeless i don't understand this like what were you gonna do with her you know what i mean like were you gonna wait right. till you guys all passed out and then you're there was let so her go when you guys get sober it, this is I would where i love to know the game plan I yeah guess this is, is where I'm things saying. get kind of ugly because they do um discuss how there was conversations about what they should do to her okay whether it was rape her right um kill her uh there was a couple other things and all along the the lines of you know that something yeah that, something terrible it's it is what what are you trying to prove here? exactly you know that you're big and tough yeah against a four i mean you've already proved that you beat the shit out of this like child-sized human yeah i yeah i don't get it me neither and you know that's why criminals are so weird because not so weird but so intriguing and and interesting at the same time because you just there's no rhyme or reason to what they decided to do with spend all day trying to figure out what was going through their mind but that's the point is that we're not on the same level as them thank god exactly so uh Rachel, she is, like I said, tied up and bound in the garage with no hope as to what she's going to do or how she's going to get out of this until uh, the girlfriend, who is also, I guess, the homeowner or living there, um, she comes home and she sees Rachel tied up and and bound in the garage. And so what does she do? She decides, I'm going to help this girl. Like... I, she's dating one of these gang members, you know, but yeah. she's at least got some sort of uh, heart to say, yeah. I'm, this is too much. Right. Like, whatever you guys are doing, this isn't it. So, she, yeah, she goes, I guess, runs to the garage, f- sees her, runs back to the kitchen, grabs a knife, and before she can get back to actually cut Rachel free, sadly, John Anderson steps in, stops her, uh, they kind of force her back into the house, and that's kind of that's where her story ends. They say yeah. that she actually, what I should say say is that she says that she was forced back in the garage. The door shuts, and she can hear them uh, continuously, basically beating Rachel again. Fuck. For that's gotta fucking suck from her point of view. Like she's just trying to help, and somehow she made more of an issue for this girl. Right. Yeah, I, Ugh. yeah, and um, for anybody wondering, I don't believe her name's Trisha, the girlfriend mm-hmm. that tried to save Rachel. I don't believe she was ever ended up being charged for anything, yeah, um, because she did make an effort, and it would well, make sense. Well, you're up against all these other gang members, quote unquote gang members, yeah. right? But you're still against a bunch of dudes. Like I can only imagine. Yeah, it, it makes sense that uh, you feeling so seeing powerless. what they're doing to her. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna decide against. Yeah, I mean, you already tried. At to least save in her. the moment, you're like, I realistically i have no chance against this right. i could fight all i want but it's gonna help neither of us for me to try and go against all yep. these dudes so i'm going to save myself yeah and... at least for now and then if there's an opportunity that makes sense later Call to save us okay secretly, whatever right. it is yeah so uh sadly she was unable to stop or i guess save rachel um she says eventually after beating Rachel Moore in the garage, they stuff her into a duffel bag into the back of their Jeep, and they just drive off. Okay. And they head off, I want to say, like, you know, 20 to 30 miles 
into the Honestly, mountains around what is here. it about duffel bags are just bad news like it, yeah i don't know what it is about them you're just like this is not going to end well a duffel bag whether it's a duffel bag well, fulfilled with something or yeah. in like a person's in it it's just duffel yeah, bags obviously just bad if news. there's a person in it there's n- it's well, yeah, never good of course um so rachel at this point she's alive uh i don't even want to say barely alive i mean she sadly is sitting here suffering right you know it, it'd almost she's be better to know that she's twice. like knocked out or something right but no she's oh very God. much so conscious of this and uh basically they're heading to the mountains now to find a place to from what it sounds like kill her and bury her yeah and they're trying to find this clearing oh my God. eventually they stop the jeep when they get to the mountains and um oddly enough so th- there was a moment of hope when the girlfriend got home and said it i'm gonna cut you loose there's a second moment of hope because when they find these this clearing or i guess a place to park the jeep to go search for their clearing rachel is left alone with one of the northwest mafia members while she's still in the duffel bag in the jeep while the other i think three or four members uh go try to find the the burial site i suppose and that member that she's left alone with is maurice this okay, person so that uh, yeah and so you're thinking all right like There's hey some hope yeah get me out of here like this is already more than enough this is our chance well maurice as he stated here and i'm gonna actually read it um also verbatim. sorry really quick not to take away from this but yeah. also i can kind of see how coming from their point of view i'm stuck with this girl who's got the shit beat out of her so she's probably not the best physical condition right if i was to try to get her out of here how far could we make it against people with guns who would then trace us down yeah and i guess it does come down to you know or a hillside with nobody up there where it's isolated if he has the keys to the jeep though i and again but who knows if he does that's not a detail i know of and and i'm not saying do nothing if you're unsure but Mm -hmm. your odds you know i mean just in general just survive for surviving even if she was in perfect you know yeah running condition i guess god okay so i will read you what uh uh, not not verbatim, but here's what Maurice said okay. uh, when asked, you know, was he going to save her or not? Yeah. And okay. Sadly, he said no, and that he didn't know that Anderson would go this far. But obviously, to stay true to his gang roots, um, he did not save I Rachel. Can't. I cannot. So after this, uh, Your piece of shit. quick moment of of hope for Rachel john and and the other members they come back they find the the burial site that they want to head to they bring her out there kick her around a couple more times and um, eventually i don't know if the bag was always open or if they decide to open the bag and show her um you'll, you'll see if you guys google or youtube search this or however you want to look it up uh, a lot of people will describe this case as she was forced to like watch her own grave be dug because she was still conscious at the time where it was being dug i like i said i don't know if they actually opened it up and made right. her watch right right but they did give her the opportunity to uh, i guess sit up and pray before they ended up shooting her multiple times in the back of the head i don't yeah I, oh, yeah so I one just... of the uh, things that john anderson says or it's reported that he said is that um while she's praying he said don't worry you'll be up there soon with him 
And one of the, the details that when I was, um, I guess, researching this case, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know, I was in a weird mood. Yeah. The uh, uh, This specific night of research. Yeah. And I, I get to this detail, and I got, like, really emotional about it. And it was that she, they, they basically, before they killed her, started stripping her of all of her jewelry that she had on her. I mean, I get it. You know, you're already pieces of shit. Why not try to pawn a couple? Right, and it's almost like I wonder if they even had the like wherewithal to think like this could be identifiable or like right, like trophies, right? You know, or if they wanted. Well, also like if they were to ever find the grave, maybe they wouldn't be able to trace it back to her if they didn't have any jewelry, or maybe they're trying to get something for it, or they're just pieces of shit. Who knows? Yeah. Well, because they don't um, seem that smart, so it seems weird that they would take it to f- so that she wouldn't be identified. Yeah, I'd go with their pieces of shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's just always default to that. Thank you, Trebek. Yeah. <laughs> so sadly, um, yeah, as they're as they're stripping her of all this jewelry she has, she's begging and pleading that the one thing she wants to keep is this ring that Corey had given her. You know, her best friend that passed away yeah. a year prior, pretty much. Yeah. Maurice and them basically said no. You know, they didn't. Of course they didn't. They, didn't, yeah. they weren't like, okay, yeah, just one more. No. Yeah, of course not. Pieces of shit. So, yeah. yeah um, the reports say that John shot her a few times in the back of the head. The gun jammed, so he unjammed the gun and then finished emptying the clip into her. What? I mean, not to get graphic, but was she even still alive? What was the point of that? After you've already that been is, shot in the head a I couple mean, times? I mean, prototypical overkilling though you know where i mean yeah it makes sense that he was the one that did it he's you're emotionally invested into this and you're trying to show up somebody Mm -hmm. somehow like that's i don't yeah i don't understand i don't either yeah so um eventually uh a gang member's mom she so so Rachel she told her family that she was just taking a fan or a, a friend to the airport. Obviously that night she never came back, yeah. and so immediately there's uh, police, you know, identified not identified but notified. Right. Hey, we've got a missing girl on our hands. Yeah. Where's she at? And eventually a gang member's mom says, "I think I heard something from my son about." something going on at this party so they they take this information also really quick side note it's so great that she said that because how many times have we heard moms especially moms covering up for their kids yeah it is uh, helps nobody we kind of brought it up before in a a couple podcasts or episodes ago um if you haven't heard go ahead and and feel free to you know go back and listen but uh, we talk about how all it all it takes is somebody mm-hmm. standing up for what's right and being like I'm I'm gonna report. Honestly, even, even if my it's own anonymous, child. like anonymous tips have been around for fucking ever. Yeah, like you it, don't even have to like risk your life. You can just like. Right. But there's call. still the, the pride involved, though. You know, this is my child. I don't want to have to report him. And we right. we hear that about yeah. uh, child abuse. Yeah. I think is what we were talking about a few episodes ago where um, it was the Oakley Carlson case right. where... I'm sorry. I thought yeah. you meant just tips in general. No, like, you don't no, have to no, feel no, bad yeah. about it because, like, anonymous tips right. are, like, a thing. But some people are, are too prideful to be like, my child can never do something yes, like yeah, that, I don't and they're just not going to talk thing. about it. I don't think it's a pride thing. I just think it's, like, a... Pro- it's that animalistic, paternal, okay. maternal... 
this is my kid, I'm going to protect them. But there's no when you are a parent. I think that that fine line between um, I'm protecting them against something in general versus something they did right. to themselves yeah. is like really fine. And sometimes it's hard to see that and line. And you do, you hear stories about um, parents, you know, reporting and you you even get, But you, you know, hear fake. too many about not. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Too but many. I was going to say, you get, you hear stories where it works out and um, the kid realizes that the path that they were heading down right. is not good and, also you know, there's so you a know, whole these, show these parents can be fucking charged too with like an accomplice they, yeah, accessory to murder out. yeah so they the police they end up taking this information from this mom and it ends up leading them to i don't exactly know how but it, they end up getting the license plate to the jeep that okay. was used to transport rachel and that they took up to the mountains yeah that's a good first lead yeah okay. so what they do they find out who that jeep is registered to part of the northwest mafia group and that gang member uh they said investigators applied a little bit of pressure and he just collapsed okay gave up everything uh obviously not your your northeastern was this like the next day or is this like that same night no 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 no. I, i don't think it was it was and these are always the details that I don't look into. You, know, you always ask these I questions, know. and I'm like, I don't know. And <laughs> sometimes I, don't know I how like that, to know. You know <laughs> sometimes I like to know how fast these things move. Was it like, right. you know what I mean? Well, you would you would think as soon as they get a lead that something right more but was it like that like, night that gang member came home and told his mom, and she called the cops right there? Like, gotcha. or did she wait a week? She cracked. I mean, who knows? I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. and I mean, you know, and that's a that is you do get into the conversation at that point well um because the mom if she waited like months to tell the police is she then being charged exactly that's why i like to know yeah Yeah. and so i I guess in that sense i would assume that it was fairly quickly because she wasn't um in trouble you Mm -hmm. know so like i said the the uh, her son not her son but the the owner of the jeep yeah in the gang he ends up giving up all the information and these these gang members i told you earlier they range from 16 to 22 years old most of them are not serving life sentences because of their age so likely juveniles yeah but luckily um in a not a weird turn of events but uh the two people most prominent in this situation so john diggy anderson and maurice rivas they both are serving a life sentence without parole. Okay. So that's kind of where uh, where this ends. Unfortunately, wow. you know, this is where a girl where just the most unfortunate things happen yeah. all within a one-year span. Right. She decides to turn her life around, and that decision to turn her life around is what actually costs her her own life. Right. I know, and it came, like, just before that because she's hanging out with these people with plans of leaving. Yeah. And then now, it happens right before she leaves. It it kind of calls back to the last episode with um, Catherine Knight. And we talked about how it's always right before you're going to leave. Mm, That's the yeah. most dangerous dangerous time in these relationships. Right. And this is just another instance of where exactly that. I mean, yeah. it is it is the act of trying to leave that ends up yep. escalating and, and bringing things to such a ridiculous outcome yeah yeah Um, so i'm guessing somebody obviously led them to her grave area and 
Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. Yeah, and I'm because sure it, that was probably part of uh, like, whether it was for the juveniles the or people that weren't. Right. Yeah. 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 Is that show us where to, it's at. Yeah. Yep. And so weirdly wow. enough, you know, she is. I mean, her gravesite's not even probably a half hour drive from where we're sitting yeah. right now, and wow. uh, it is just one of those yeah. one of those stories. So yeah. young. So young. You guys are gonna, you know, you'll post pictures on our Instagram at uh, True Crime Banter, but she's you can see in the pictures like the personality, yeah, in in photos where it's just like okay. You, you feel like you know somebody like that that right. they walk in the room and they just take it over yeah not with no you know intent to be the, right. the center exactly. of attention it's just who they are yeah they're just so magnetic and um sadly sadly it, it's not so weird too that she had lost that many friends she probably never imagined she'd be like one of them one of them i know yeah. and now you're like if you're her friend you know right and friends with all the you're like what exactly the hell is going what's on gonna happen here? next so. yeah uh, I would like to know, you know, to to bring this into like a lighter note because mm-hmm. um, it's just unfortunate that something like that happens to yeah. good people. But it, where is this Northwest Mafia now? Yeah, you know? true. And, like, is it is still it a, thing? a thing? Or um, is it bigger? Is it non-existent? Yeah, was this a a turning point for the gang did it die when some of the members went to jail was it just like not a thing anymore right. because they went to jail like, yeah but again this could be a thing that makes them more uh true attractive like in in the gang world right yeah, yeah this yeah yeah wow. well there you go that's uh that's a story of rachel burkheimer uh mm. i was you know preparing my i guess notes research mm-hmm. for this episode and I'm, there's just so many stories around here. I mean, uh, within Washington alone. Yeah, we, we hear alone about that. Northwest. Oregon, Idaho, Washington. Yeah. We do hear about that. And uh, We I, hear other podcasts comment on that, too, which I think is so interesting. Saying, what the fuck They're is in the water They're always like, what is there? going on in Washington? It's a natural spring Specifically water. Specifically the Seattle area. We are 10 minutes from Seattle. Yeah. And I'm not sure what's going on. So much of it happened before we were even alive. Some of it was happening and we were, like, just born. I'm not sure what's in the fucking water up Yeah, here. there is um, there's a sure. lot of stories. So I, I'm going to try to keep a – I actually just got a suggestion. And if okay. you guys have suggestions yes. for cases, oh my God. please send them to Thank us. Thank you for saying that because I was going to say that on the Instagram, but I posted, like, ten stories today, <laughs> so I didn't want to say another thing. But, yes, if anybody knows anything um, – even if you think it's just small and it's just like, oh, this person was killed Literally, or something, it, it doesn't have to have a bunch of information because we that's our job. We find all the stuff. I and, mean, and not only that, because, again, you are you're posting, you know, whether it's missing person cases yeah. or um, missing uh, unsolved homicides, right. like all anything that you guys want brought to light in any yeah. sort of fashion. That's kind of what. And we're I doing say that for. in these posts, too, is like it's. We are this, like, little bumfuck podcast. There's really, like, I can't... What do we have, like, 1,500 almost followers? Uh, maybe. So, so, like, nothing. Just, uh, yeah, not much so, over like, a nothing. thousand. But right. all it takes is, you know, one extra person that might have some sort of info or insight yeah. into what and goes on. Especially if we are sharing it in this area. I mean, if something is from this area and gets shared in this area, you just literally you have no idea who this stuff can reach weirder shit has happened yeah. 
you you hear stories all yeah. the time. So if you do have any cases that yeah. one you Send either want to us, us to cover because you just like the story yeah. and you want to see how we approach it, um, because right. a lot of these cases, you know, all the information is the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just kind of how we choose to tell the story. And I think I'm pretty on top of the Instagram. So if you message, I'll probably comment like right away. Yeah. Or no, you do. You back comment. Right away. You usually always like every comment out there. Yeah. So. Uh, let us know and again like i said there's unsolved stuff or stuff that you don't think is being uh, covered nearly as much or as often as it should be covered um that's kind of i think how we want this podcast right. to be you know it's very easy to cover uh a lot of the big names and the yeah. big stories out there or and, and you, we do you know yeah. i do enjoy some of those but but um, what i was gonna say is there's i know there's people out there that have like somebody down the road went missing a year ago or s- my mom knows somebody who was uh, murdered 10 years ago or something like mm-hmm. things that maybe didn't reach like the whole countrywide news but like yeah, you know somebody who knows somebody that something happened to there's always information you can find on it yeah. and i mean it's amazing how and much information we can find whether we do an episode we do a story on the instagram right. an individual post on exactly. it or you know whatever it is we're we'll put it fully out there. open right for everything yeah. so well thank you yeah. for that story you did a great job well thank you for You're listening welcome. to that story you did You're a great so welcome. job of listening. and uh, yeah i think uh, thank you for i guess all of you for listening yeah. and uh, it seems like people are enjoying this. So I know we're gonna, it's we're growing. Keep at it. yeah. I love it. We got a new cool little uh, setup on the YouTube's, <laughs> so check that out. Yeah, I've spent uh, fifteen thousand dollars on this setup, ladies and gentlemen. So you would think it would look better. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> anyway, uh, that is episode twelve of yes. the True Crime Banter podcast. Yeah. I hope we were able to bring you your dose of murder relaxation i don't Mm -hmm. think i've ever said that at the end of an episode that's okay there's always a time to start that's right Mm -hmm. uh yeah we will uh we'll talk to you guys next time my name is riley and i'm christian and we'll talk to you then take care